Guess who's back? Back, back, back. Back again. Blow sisters are back. Back, Tell a friend. Shady's back. Back. No, no, no. No, no. It's us. Hello. Welcome to Don't Fuck With Ghosts. The podcast about all things haunted, spooky, and supernatural. We are your Blowst sisters. I'm Greer. I am Betsy. And it's been so long, you guys. I know. I've missed this. <laughs> we have some nervous energy in the, in, the, in the studio today in Betsy's little office. I'm hot, all hot and bothered because, <laughs> oh. one, I got a horrible sunburn today. It's also like a unique pattern. Like it's just, yeah. it's, it's the chest and just the ankles. Just the ankles, folks. <laughs> Cause I my job had an offsite today and I was wearing jeans and we were out on a field. It sounds weird, but like <laughs> that's why my ankles were exposed. She was wearing jeans. Yes, I yes. was, and but they went down to my ankles, so my ankles were exposed, and now they are red. And I'm going to a wedding this weekend, <laughs> and I look like a freak. It really is just very unique. I've never seen a sunburn quite like it. So. That's where we're at today, guys. <laughs> this might be a bit all over the place. Yeah, just a tad. Yeah. But it was Greer's birthday last, last week, right? Was it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a week from a week, a week ago, ago. From, from Tuesday. Yeah. So I'm 26 now, which is really horrifying to think 26. about. I know. I feel quite old. So yeah. if we have any listeners who are older than 26, I apologize for coming <laughs> off as rude. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Well, 26 is a transitional age, you know, health insurance, you're entering yeah. your... In America, now we have to pay for our own health insurance. Yeah. Instead of just being on our parents. Who is... we're also paying for their health insurance. Right. Because America, <laughs> we, it's not free. I know. Well, I had a lot of those types of revelations on, because before my birthday and during my birthday, as you know, Betsy, I was on my trip to the UK. And so I just had a lot of revelations about, you know, universal health care and robust public transit systems and just like things that I think the U.S. could work on a little bit. But yeah, yeah, my trip was amazing. I'm here to report that I did, in fact, go into the vaults, the haunted vaults in Edinburgh. If you guys haven't listened to our very first episode, I talked about the haunted underground vaults in Edinburgh, which is the capital city in Scotland and is my favorite place in the whole world. Um and I've, I'd studied abroad there, so I did a haunted vault tour there when I studied abroad. When Betsy and I went on our big, like, post-college graduation Europe trip, we did a haunted tour of the vaults. Did you do one when you went with um, your mom and Isabel and Shannon? Oh, back in, oh, God, 2014. That was, that was a long time ago. We definitely did a haunted tour, and I, th- I want to say we did the vaults. We definitely walked around the graveyard. I remember that because I remember seeing Tom Riddle's grave, yes. and it was, like, all, like, barren the earth was barren like it wasn't green yeah. around that grave so I do remember that um I remember we went into the under like I don't think this was haunted I think it was we just toured like the underground area where like you said they used to there it was bustling yeah remember <laughs> yeah um oh there's my laundry <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so I don't think we did the haunted tour of the... I think I only ever did that with you, yeah. but I, we did tour the underground area. Yeah. It's not haunted. Well, we didn't do the haunted tour this time either. It was me and my boyfriend, and he is not into spooky, <laughs> scary things. So he was down for the historical underground tour, not the haunted one, which I took as a win because he's also a bit... gets a bit claustrophobic, and the underground tunnels are small and dark and damp and not the place you want to go if you're claustrophobic. 
Yeah. So I'm yeah. proud of him. And we did the historical tour and it was still extremely creepy. Like just because you're not talking about ghosts when you're down there doesn't mean it's not like freaking scary. For sure. And I was really hoping I was going to have an experience down there, even though I was kind of scared and didn't want <laughs> to, like a part of me wanted to, but I didn't, but it was still very freaky. Yeah. Um, but we, we did get to go back to the vaults, which was really nice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a demon. A demon lives within me. The power of Christ compel you. Wow. Special guest appearance. I was going to say before it turned into a burp, that reminds me because, so I'm going to Ireland in a couple weeks and it's for a wedding and the wedding's in Kilkenny and there's a haunted tour in Kilkenny because it's like super old and shit because, you know, it's Ireland. you got to do it. Um, So I'm doing it, but my boyfriend Craig is like Greer's boyfriend Corey and they, neither of them like... Scary, spooky things. So I get to do it by myself. But I think one of the bride's friends is also into I it. Bet. And I think she wanted said she was going to do it with me. Yeah, I bet you'll find at least one yeah, other person. But like you said that it. you did the same tour, but it wasn't haunted. Yeah. There's other like normal walking tours in Kilkenny that I think I said that we were going to do. Like I think I might have signed us up for one or at least I bookmarked it. We love a free walking but tour. But a lot of the, yeah, but a lot of the um, stops are like the same as the haunted ones. So. Oh, there you go. So he gets Scamming. to see them either way. <laughs> is it the whole, like, haunted for the whole town? Or is it just, like, this, like, graveyards? Or what's on the haunted tour? Oh, gosh. Just everything? Uh, yeah. No, there's, um, well, there's a castle oh, in Kilkenny. Nice. And that one's definitely haunted. Definitely. And I think there's some some part of the, of the town where they, like, held witch trials and stuff. <gasps> um, but that's all I remember. So I will, I think I'm going to, like do a little take you guys along with me kind of thing yes. and like make a reel maybe. Oh my gosh. So I'm gonna, we'll see how my, my technical skills go. I'm still not on TikTok. So I mean, see. neither am I, but literally <laughs> today before I came over here, this is so embarrassing. I was watching <laughs> TikTok compilations on YouTube, which <laughs> <laughs> makes Corey so mad. Cause he's like, just download the app. And I'm like, I don't, I'm do. this close. I know I'm really close I'm too. I'm this close. It's not cause I think I'm better than it because truly I think I would love TikTok based on how many YouTube videos I watch yeah. of it. I just like, it's just I, a whole I, other I thing. I know how much time I already spend time on Instagram reels, which is embarrassing mm. enough. Like I know how much time I would spend on TikTok, and it would be yeah. a lot of time. Yep. So, <clears throat> so anyway, that anyway, was back to your dress. trip. Back to your trip. So what did you do after the vault? Oh no, wait, you didn't even tell us about the Hebrides. Oh yeah, so we went to the Outer Hebrides. Which wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop. Let's yes. back all the way up okay. to to when you got stuck in Boston. Oh yeah. So oh my god, I literally <laughs> blocked all of this out. So. Basically, the premise of this trip was the Outer Hebrides, which are these remote islands in the northwest coast of Scotland, off the northwest coast of Scotland. There for a few days, then down to Edinburgh for a few days, then down to London for a few days. Supposed to end on my birthday with a concert that actually ended up getting canceled because of the they got COVID, which was really tragic um because that was the whole reason we booked the trip we got the concert tickets before we got plane tickets or anything else so that was kind of sad but to get to these remote islands we had to fly from dc to boston boston to edinburgh and then edinburgh up to stornoway and the like the timing for all of these flights that we initially booked it was all timed like very perfectly and that we would just make it with enough time to have a comfortable connection. We would just make it to Edinburgh in time to get on the one flight a day that goes up to Stornoway. So we were like, perfect. Like this is, it's going to be seamless. Like we'll, we won't have any bumps in the road or whatever. And then of course our flight from DC to Boston gets delayed by 
four hours. Oh I was live texting Betsy the entire time. <laughs> I was like, this happened, then this happened. Now I'm on the floor. Like, <laughs> it was a mess. So we got into Boston late, meaning we missed our flight to Edinburgh, meaning we missed our flight to Stornoway, meaning we had to rearrange that flight and our car reservation. So it was like a whole mess. And we stayed in Boston with Corey's brother. Thankfully we had a place to stay, but we like camped out in Boston and we got put on the next flight out to Edinburgh the next day at night at night. So the next (laughs) evening we fly out from Boston to Edinburgh but like before we do any of that, I'm getting all mixed up because this was it was so much. But before that, all we had blur. to wake up at 5 a.m. to call this little Scottish airline because they opened at 10 a.m. their time, so like 5 oh a.m. our time. And we had to call them right when they opened because there was only a certain window of time we could like change our flight without getting, without having to just buy whole new flights. And those flights were not cheap. Like flying to a remote island is not cheap. Mm-mm. So we had to get up at 5 a.m. to call the people to change our Scotland flight. And then I had to get in touch with the rental car people. And like, they weren't answering my emails and like, it was a whole thing, but eventually we make it up there and we get to Stornoway in the little airport. And then it's time to drive on the wrong side of the road because in the UK they do everything backwards. And that drive from the airport to our Airbnb, which was only like maybe a 10 minute drive, 15 minute drive. Really scary. Was so fucking scary. (laughs) Well, how much traffic was there? No traffic. There was minimal traffic. We did actually, we encountered a roundabout that was really terrifying because it was a big roundabout. And we looked up zero like UK driving etiquette before we went, we were like, "Eh, we'll just figure it out. But like, apparently there are rules to the roundabouts. Roundabouts are scary. Yeah. They were understanding roundabouts here. Oh my God. It was, it was, Oh, it was so so bad for anyone from the UK listening to this. And yeah, sorry. (laughs) Sorry that we were embarrassed for you. Not for you, but on behalf of ourselves. Yes. I'm embarrassed. (laughs) If you saw a big white sedan driving or not sedan, a big white SUV driving through Stornoway for, like you had a big days. SUV. It was huge. Oh my God. It was fucking massive. And these roads are so tiny and we're on the cars on the wrong side of the road. And the steering wheel is on the opposite side of the car. So like everything is like a flipped, like a mirror. And it was just, Corey was driving. He did this first drive and he, God bless him. He tends to drift to the left when he's driving in the U S which is like fine because there's a bit more room, but in the UK, when you drift to the left, you're drifting completely off the road into oh uh, a ditch or grass or like, Oh, it was, it was, we just didn't prep and it was stressful. <laughs> so was then, there were a lot of yelling in the car. It was, there was a lot of like <laughs> tense, quiet and like, <gasps> like <laughs> grabbing, and, grabbing and, and me oh trying not to, trying not to like, passenger seat drive yeah because also like i was not brave enough to do that first drive from the airport to the airbnb so like i supremely commend Corey for doing that because yes. i was not out here volunteering to do that i did however drive for the rest of the time that we were in the uk or in the the islands just yeah. in the hebrides um but that was amazing the weather was beautiful we just saw so many sheep and like beautiful beaches and these huge cliffs that kind of reminded me of the cliffs of Moher, mm. like um, I think not as tall because the cliffs of Moore are like, really yeah. tall. Um, but it was amazing. It was just so peaceful. I had the, I had mussels and fish and chips and like meat pies mm. and it was delicious. And then we flew back down to Edinburgh, which was like amazing. It was per usual. It's the best place in the world and did the haunted underground or the underground tour, not the haunted <laughs> historical tour. 
Um, walked around Greyfriars Kirkyard, which you mentioned earlier is it's like the most famous graveyard in Edinburgh. Um, J.K. Rowling got a lot of inspiration for names from gravestones in the graveyard. I have pictures to take that I meant to share on Instagram, but then I forgot. So I'll do that at some point this week, show you guys where I was strolling around. And then we took the train down to London, and London was great. London is huge. So it was kind of overwhelming figuring out what to do, and then, did you know. What happened with the tube situation? Because there was oh, yes. a tube uh, driver. Yeah, there was a tube driver's strike yeah. on one of the days that we were there, which initially impacted our entire day, and then Corey, like, masterfully figured out all these different buses that we could take and like oh, that's the London nice. Overground. Yeah, he's very good at figuring out logistics like that. That's good. So, but then that was fun because we got to go on like some double decker buses. Oh, fun. which was really fun. Um, Did the old hop on, hop off? Oh yeah, it was great. <laughs> um, so that was kind of stressful at first, but then we got that figured out. And then my concert was canceled, as I mentioned. But we went to go see a show on the West End instead. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw Come From Away, which is a show about a small town that took in a whole bunch of planes that were grounded right after 9-11 in um, Newfoundland. And it was so good. I cried the whole time. It made me feel lots of emotions. (laughs) And then we came home. And now my life is more boring than it was for those 10 days. And it's a lot more hot and humid. It's disgusting. I'm so so sad. It's so hot. But yeah, that's, that's where I've been. And that's why we haven't been able to record for a little while. But we're back. Yeah. I'm excited for today. I am too. Do you want to tell them what we're going to be talking about? Yeah. So we're talking about haunted infrastructure. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be talking about haunted. Is yours a tunnel? Mine's a, it's a tunnel, but it's under an overpass. Okay. So, but yeah, mine's a tunnel. Greer's going to be talking about a bridge. A covered bridge. Yeah. So Mm. a little bit of like a different kind of flavor for today. Um, so should we go ahead and get started? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Let me pull up my notes. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, <laughs> the hands resist him. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Sorry guys. So, we're almost there. We're almost there. Just I know, we're, getting there. we're getting there <laughs> for one um, more second. So if you guys remember, was it two episodes ago now? Two episode episodes. two when we talked about, no, three. Oh my God. It was episode <laughs> three. So yeah. Uh, a couple episodes ago. Yes. A couple episodes ago, we talked about haunted or uh, cursed objects. And I talked about a painting called the hands resist him. Um, so go check that episode out if you haven't listened already. Betsy's story that episode was fucking crazy. It was so good. So definitely go listen. But um, a listener DM'd us on Instagram with a message about the painting. And I just wanted to share it quickly because it was really interesting. He said, or they said, um, love the show. And an interesting fact about the hands resist him is that it actually has two other paintings associated with it. Um, so I said, thanks so much for listening. How cool. What do you know about them? And he said, so far, nothing haunted yet, but Zach Baggins, my mortal enemy. <laughs> That's me, not him. That's me saying that on him. <laughs> Zach Baggins has the prequel painting, so it's four of them all together, which is really cool. And it's interesting because in all the research I did, I didn't see anything about it being part of a series. So I have to see what Zach Baggins <laughs> has. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. What Zach Baggins okay. is doing with this this painting, yeah, this possession, yeah. So yeah, does he have like his own little occult museum? I feel oh like he my does. God, I don't know. I think he does. I wouldn't like trust in Vegas him as or some shit. I could throw him. <laughs> He's huge. I know. Too. He's jacked. He never skips arm day. <laughs> no. <laughs> Chicken legs. Um, <laughs> So yeah, the hands resist him. Go listen to that episode if you haven't. Okay, okay. okay. Now, now we're moving back on to your main to the, pro- the meat wait, of main the episode. Programming. 
Now back to your main programming. Regularly scheduled programming. Uh-huh. There it is. Yes. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so today I'm going to be talking about the folklore behind the haunted Goldbrook Covered Bridge, which is also commonly known as Emily's Covered Bridge. Oh, it's, oh Emily. Uh, the bridge is located in Stowe, Vermont, and was built in 1844. It runs just 50 feet over the Goldbrook stream and kind of... Oh, I should have pulled up a picture. But it kind of has a covering that looks like a, like a small, dark wood carriage house. And so in all the pictures I've seen of it from far away, it's also nestled in like really beauty, a really beautiful forest, and this stream is really pretty that it sits over. Um, and from pictures taken from far away, it is like really quaint and picturesque, and a lot of people, I guess, do... Cover like they do covered bridge tours of Vermont and they go around to find all the different covered bridges because they're very picturesque. So from far away it's cute, but like when you get up and see pictures up close, it's like it's pretty scary looking, and I would not want to cross it, especially um, not at night. Oh my god, absolutely not. I don't <laughs> want to do a lot of things at night to be honest. Stay inside, <laughs> sleep, um, sleep, stay inside. Um, let's see. So though the bridge built in 1844 has been around for almost 200 years now, stories of it being haunted didn't actually emerge until the late 1960s, early 1970s. Um, The first mention of any paranormal activity came to light in 1968 when um, alleged reports popped up of a high school student in Vermont who wrote a paper about the bridge claiming that while she was using, you guessed it, a Ouija board on the bridge in the middle of the night. Wait, by herself? Unclear. (laughs) That'd be fucking stupid if she was by herself. That would be... Okay, but imagine if she's there with (laughs) several teens, (laughs) and they're like, Carl, did you bring the Ouija board? (laughs) Carl. Like, no, guys, don't use the Ouija board. (sighs) We're gonna use it. Teenagers do stupid (laughs) shit. We were teenagers and did stupid shit, too, but nothing with Ouija boards, guys. We weren't that stupid. No. So they're using this Ouija board, and a spirit presented itself spelling out... E-M-I-L-Y using the board's little mechanism. I don't know what that thing is called. I forget what it's called. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, So from that story on, the local legend took off. There are two popular stories about the origins of the bridge's alleged haunting. So the first one says that Emily was waiting at the bridge for her lover so that they could go elope, much to both of their parents' dismay and disapproval. Um, what year is this again? This, there's no year attached. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, that's part of the mystery. Oh, so, wait, oh, this is about Emily. Sorry, I'm yes. caught up. I'm oh, caught yeah, up. this is about Emily, the <laughs> okay. Emily's origins. Yes. So okay. her lover didn't show up, and she's really devastated, so she hangs herself from the rafters of the covered bridge um, because she would have rather died than be without her love. And the second version of this legend says that Emily had arrived at the church to marry her lover. However, when he didn't show, she was so distraught that she jumped into her family's uh, like horse wagon and sped off. So this is before cars, apparently. Uh, blinded by sorrow, she took the team of horses to a really, really fast speed. And she was trying to navigate the turn that leads onto the bridge. Um, the horses, the wagon, and Emily all crashed over the bank and into the Goldbrook stream, leaving no survivors. So... Tales like these two, I mean, there are multiple versions of this story, but all the the main details stay the same. But tales like these two popped up in basically almost every article I read and website I looked at when trying to research about Emily's Bridge. So 
Needless to say, I was very intrigued when I came across a blog post by a writer named Chad Abramovich claiming to describe the truth behind Emily's Bridge, which is one of Vermont's most famous urban legends and one of its most famous, like, um, I guess landmarks you could call it. I feel like it came up on every single list of haunted bridges in America. And then I looked up um, like weird things to do in Vermont and it came up in all those lists as well. So I wanted to read part of this blog post, uh, which was published on October 20th, 2012 on Chad's website titled obscure Vermont. Um, before I read it though, I, so Basically, there are hundreds of reports of paranormal activity at Emily's Bridge. So in my mind, what I'm about to read doesn't discredit these reports at all. Um, And based on all the articles I've read and the videos I've watched about Emily's Bridge, I believe that the bridge is very haunted. It just might not be haunted by a ghost named Emily. So I'm going to get into his article. It's a little long, so bear with me here, folks. So he says, and this is where the story got good, in my own opinion. As it turns out, not only was Vermont's most infamous ghost story a well-spun yarn, but he happened to know the woman who created the story. When all was said and done, I found the real story of Emily's Bridge far better than the conventional one. The story of Emily's Bridge doesn't go back to the 1800s, but rather much more recently in the 1970s. A woman by the name of Nancy Wolf Steed claimed that she was the one who created the story of Emily to scare local youth. There was a swimming hole near somewhere near Stowe and Morrisville, which is, I guess, another town in Vermont. She remembers making up the story of the bridge to amuse the kids. And at the time, there was a huge surge in the occult and the paranormal in popular culture, especially when films like The Exorcist that have recently debuted. She was also one. She was also the one who came up with the name Emily. And curiously enough, a little digging uncovered that no information about any Emily has been found prior to 1970. What Nancy probably didn't expect, however, was her story to grow in popularity, and it soon spread far beyond the limits of Stowe, Vermont. It is quite possible that the the story of Emily's Bridge became fixed in paranormal concrete when a woman named Valerie Welch started giving Stowe tours, and the bridge and Emily became part of the presentation. I reached out to the Stowe Historical Society for answers to see if they could offer any more insight into Emily's Bridge and the story behind it. A few days later, I received a friendly reply from a woman named Barbara Barrowand. Now, the pieces of this complicated urban myth were slowly coming together. Interestingly enough, there are no records of anyone named Emily dying on the Goldbrook Bridge, but a tragedy did take place there. It happened around 1920 when a little girl fell off the bridge and died when her skull was crashed onto the boulders below. There are reports from people who have had tea with an elderly woman who lives near the bridge, and she remembers when the accident on the Goldbrook Bridge happened. She was about 10 at the time. To make things more interesting, the Goldbrook Bridge may not even be the real Emily's Bridge. There used to be another covered bridge just down the road near the Nichols Farm near Route 100 until it burned down in 1932 and was replaced by the current concrete span still in use today. There were brief records of a death happening on the old covered bridge, but the details were lost with time. Could this have been the real Emily's bridge? Barbara suggests that if this, if there is a ghost, it is a possibility that the bridge, that after the bridge burned down, the ghost sought refuge upstream in the Goldbrook bridge, which is now Stowe's last remaining covered bridge. Or maybe the legend was simply transplanted to the other bridge. It seems the story is just that 
and the legendary bridge, which, is, which has burned itself into memory of many, isn't the location it, it is most identified with. But there is more to this story. Reports claiming that Emily's bridge was haunted didn't manifest themselves into local folklore until around 1948, many years after the aforementioned suicide of Emily. The bridge became known as the Haunted Bridge, but the story of Emily didn't yet exist. It was 1948, and Emily's story was created in 1970. So if the bridge had a reputation then, perhaps visitors were getting frightened by something entirely different? And if so, what was it? In addition to my growing research, I found that there were also various accounts of why Emily's ghost haunts the bridge. But if these stories were true, there would have to be an eyewitness who saw these events unfold on the bridge, or how would these details be known? As far as I know, there were no witnesses and no reports were ever recorded. And if this wasn't enough to ponder, I also want to bring another question into the light. If Emily did, in fact, commit suicide on the bridge, how would she have done it? The rafters of the bridge are a good height from the wooden planked floor. She would have had to make somewhat of an effort to climb onto one. And if she did, wouldn't that have meant that she brought the rope with her to do the job? To my knowledge, there aren't all that many discarded coils of rope found near the covered bridge. So with all of this new information, how can all of the claims of paranormal activity that supposedly happened on the bridge be justified? If you remember, the legend of Emily was proven to be nothing more than a hoax. Knowing that information really makes me curious, however, what could possibly account for all of the people who have claimed to have run-ins with Emily on the bridge? All of these encounters that have been reported are various and range from benign to terrifying. The most common occurrence are photos taken by tourists that fail to come out, or perhaps the photographer will notice that the pictures include puzzling, blurry blemishes that weren't present when the photo was taken. Orbs. That was me. Uh, Some even have photos that are said to include the ghostly image of a girl standing in front of the bridge who was not there at the time of the photo. Others have seen inexplicable things like flashing white lights with no traceable source. Others still hear a disembodied voice coming from nowhere, uttering words that can't be understood. But in the rare occasion the voice can be understood, it has been said it sounds like a woman crying for help. Some occurrences are more aggressive, perhaps even malevolent. Hats are whisked away on windless days. Temperatures in the bridge are known to be inexplicably warmer or colder than the temperature outside. One famous tale includes one man witnessing his windshield fog up on its own and handprints appearing on the windshield. I know. I know. (laughs) But no one was around to make the handprints. That one, I haven't heard of anything like that happening before in any of the ghost stories like I've heard of or that we've researched. That's terrifying. New fear unlocked. Encounters also get far more violent. In the old days, horses crossing the bridge would unaccountably bolt in fear as phantom body gashes would appear on their bodies <gasps> that, that were possibly left by ghostly nails. Oh, wait. What? I'm so dumb. When I was reading this, I, oh. <laughs> I thought they meant, like, metal nails. That was my first but- <laughs> thought, too. But then I was like, oh, no. In it's this like moment, nail scratch. Yeah, I them. just realized. Okay. Fingernails. Okay. That's still... That's... Makes a lot more sense and is maybe a bit creepier. Okay. When horse traffic was replaced with the automobile, their paint jobs would be ruined by the same invisible claws. Even people have reported being scratched. One group of teenagers even go so far as claiming they saw Emily. As they parked their car in the bridge, they said the form of a woman appeared in front of their car and began to approach them. Terrified, they scrambled to lock their doors. She stood outside jiggling the door handles for a few minutes, trying to get in. With no luck, her form eventually disappeared into the night air. Other weird things have said to happen in and around the bridge. 
Gold Brook, a beautiful rocky brook that runs underneath the bridge, may have some, some sort of bizarre property attached to it as well. Some people claim that on certain days, phantom music, which is said to resemble wind chimes or the soft strumming of a harp, is said to come from underneath the bridge, but when curious listeners go to investigate, they can't find the source of the music. So what's going on here, and what can we make of all of this? Could it really be Emily, or perhaps another ghost who died on the bridge a long time ago? Perhaps author Joseph Citro guessed best when he lumped Emily's bridge into one of Vermont's few window areas, which he describes as geographical areas with strange supernatural properties where unexplainable occurrences are said to manifest and maybe even portals toward the other world to other worlds are said to reside. I don't know what it is with the stories I'm finding in like portals. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe it's that we're constantly talking about paranormal things. Maybe. And that often uh, involves portals to other worlds. <laughs> Would you stick your foot into a portal in another world? No. What if it sucks me up like a black hole? Oh, I don't know. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye, bitch. <laughs> okay. What you get for sticking your foot in a portal. Continuing. <laughs> so he says there's no concrete answer and there's no way to know for sure. The story of Emily's Bridge and the countless other historical facts, variations, and paranormal claims from many people are so large in number and so conflicting that it's almost impossible to pick at the pieces. So in the end, it's up for you to decide. One thing is for certain, however, Emily has become immortal, whether she actually existed or not. So I thought this article was really fascinating. Um, it was interesting to read that the story was completely fake after I had read so many articles and watched so many videos claiming it, like just fully believing that the story was true. Um, but I do think it's interesting that even though someone named Emily, there are no, at least no reports of anybody named Emily dying on the bridge, that there was that report of the little girl falling to her death in 1920. Um, so the covered bridge isn't totally removed from death and tragedy. And just because Emily didn't die there doesn't mean it's not haunted because a lot of these stories I was reading uh, are pretty convincing to me that this bridge has some, some spiritual activity going on. So now I'm going to read through several accounts, personal accounts of um, paranormal encounters that happened on this bridge from people all over the internet. We're going to go to Reddit for some of them. We love Reddit on this podcast. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> but unsurprisingly, most of the phenomena that happens on Emily's Bridge takes place between midnight and 3.30 in the morning. So I thought the 3.30 was like really specific, but that, I saw that on multiple articles that I read. I just, for some reason, the half hour mark is remarkable to me for some reason. Um, people say that if you honk your car horn on the bridge three times, you will summon Emily's ghost or somebody's ghost. And we know all about, you know, the significance of three when it comes to paranormal stuff. Three knocks, three beeps, you know. Saying Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. <gasps> I forgot about Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever do that at sleepovers? I was too no. scared. Um, I almost did it at Isabel's house once, but I, I like wouldn't look in the mirror. And so even now, sometimes to this day, I'm an adult. I'm also 26. If I'm looking in the mirror, I'll have intrusive thoughts of Bloody Mary. And then I will force myself not to look at myself in the mirror. But if like I'm doing my makeup, then I just like force myself to say other words in my head. Oh my God. Because it's like, I'm getting those intrusive thoughts and I refuse to let myself say it three times in the mirror. So the, you say what, so what happens is you say it and then she appears behind you. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. 
Isabel's house is also old, so like doing <laughs> Very it, old. yeah, Very. doing it in an old house would be yeah. frightening. I always have to open the shower curtains, what? just so I know that there's nobody behind there, or like oh, nothing behind oh. there. Sometimes I do that too if I'm home alone. Yeah, I always have to have them open. Do you ever kick them? Uh, no. Oh, I've done. <laughs> I'll just that. do the pull it <laughs> really quick and then put it back. <laughs> yeah, I'm not about that bloody Mary life. So, in 2005, a paranormal investigator named Dr. Dave visited Emily's Bridge. Um, And I'm going to read a couple of things that happened to him. So, he took pictures of the bridge, and almost every photo he took had an orb in it. So, I'm assuming everyone listening knows what's up with orbs, but if you're not into ghosts and you're trying to dip your toe in, orbs are, like, like light manifestations of spirits that don't appear in real life, but appear in photographs. Um, and especially like in all the ghost hunting shows that I've seen, people are taking pictures in rooms that are completely dark. There's no flash or anything from the camera. So there's no reason for there to be a a ball of light in your photo. That's a ghost people. So he is in the bridge. He asked questions to try and draw Emily's spirit forward. And he began to experience a slow, sharp pain on the back and front of his neck. He recounted this story and said, The pain was excruciating, unbelievable, and I hardly know how to describe it. It only affected the back of my neck because the pressure on the front didn't exactly hurt. The pain shot from my neck to my head, and there was a roar in my ear that reminded me of when you hold your ear to a seashell. In the brief time that lasted an eternity, I stood there trying to focus and protect myself from this attack and to shut off the pain and disorientation I was feeling, and I couldn't do it. I was becoming drained and exhausted and had to leave the area immediately. And we know that ghosts drain batteries of their energy and people of their mm-hmm. energy. So that's why people like pass out on tours a lot. Yeah. Cause oh they're gosh. drained of their energy. <sighs> pass out all over the place. Maybe really that's why you tour. faint all the time. Cause you're like <gasps> connected. Cl- you're like closer to the maybe vasovagal. Yeah. Yeah. Vasovagal Psychic. is like, it's where you just, <laughs> you like faint. It sounds weird, but that's what that is. <laughs> So he said, I hurried off to the car and I could barely see my neck hurt so badly. I've never had a headache so bad that I or like pain so bad that I couldn't see. So that's really, that's really frightening. The noise in my ears had not stopped and I could barely remember heading to the car and grabbing up the tape recorder from the car. And it wasn't until I turned the car away that the pain disappeared completely. And then seven years ago on Reddit, somebody named Bentley Bomber posted and what? said, <clears throat> I don't know, these Reddit people, I don't know how they choose their names. <laughs> Bentley Bomber said, me and a couple of friends had gone to Emily's Bridge before with a voice recorder. Nothing really happened while we were there, but when we got home, we heard footsteps running across the bridge along with a girl's giggle here and there. Whatever, we thought. We are, could be our minds helping us hear what we wanted to hear. We were in a car, though, so the footsteps were odd. Fast forward a couple months, we decide to go back. Me and two friends, parentheses, three guys total, which is important, get out of the car and hang out in the bridge until about 1.30 a.m. We just hang out, talk for a while, and get bored and leave. Again, nothing while we were there. Got home, our friends went separate ways, and I listened to the recorder I had running. Nothing out of the ordinary for about a half hour, and then there it was. So chilling, my spine must have shrunk two inches forever. A woman's voice, clear as day, like she was standing next to me, said, Help me, please, Ed. I was shocked. I called my friends to tell them and they, when they heard they were in disbelief. There is a strong current under the bridge, so hearing anyone's voice more than, six, more than like eight feet away is almost impossible, especially on my $25 recorder. But you could hear the girl's voice better than my buddy's. 
Also, none of us have the name Ed, so I've always wondered who Ed was after that. Maybe her jilted lover? We'll never know. And posted one year ago on Reddit by user Death Crush. <laughs> did a seance there a few years ago. Like, this one is wild. They did a seance? Yeah, this one is wild. It's short, but I'm like, what the fuck? <sighs> okay, so Death Crush said... We did a seance there a few years ago at like 2 a.m. The one guy in our group went in talking about how he's never been affected by hauntings, blah, blah, blah. Partway through, he disconnected, started climbing the rafters and acting really strange, and then (laughs) ran off without saying a word. We had to track him down, got him in the car, and he sobbed the whole ride home. Emily hates guys. Isn't that wild? Wait. Did somebody say that, or are they saying that he was targeted because she hates men? Oh, he's saying, they're saying that he was targeted because she hates men. Okay. Oh, my God. Climbing the rafters. Oh, my God. Also, just the word disconnected is weird. Partway through, he disconnected. Like, maybe he was in sort of some sort of trance. Here, Lawrence. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Um, Okay. And then I have two more little comments. So, posted three years ago by Reddit user G Marches. It's also interesting to me that there's been, like, posts over the years. It's not, like, a concentration of posts coming from, like, a couple of years ago. This is, like, continued stuff that's been happening for a long time. Mm-hmm. She said, it was definitely a freaky walk, but I tried to convince myself it was just because it's a creepy setting and it was very dark at night. I felt extremely uneasy as soon as we arrived at the bridge, though. The weirdest part was when we got back in the car to leave the area, We some, and somehow the back road we took brought us back facing the bridge, even though we swore we only drove in one direction and never turned. Blair Witch. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we just scared ourselves. <laughs> it felt like we had entered a horror movie trope where all roads lead you back to the place you're trying to get away from. That's like oh nightmarish. Gosh. Oh. Oh, no, I want to watch Blair Witch again. I'm it's sad we, so... we didn't watch it this ha- last past Halloween. Well, I we'll wanted watch to watch it, it. Well, this Halloween. We also don't have to watch it on Halloween. That's true. We don't have to wait till Halloween to watch it. I guess that's so, true. You've seen it. You've seen it, right? Blair Witch? Yeah. Are you joking? Wait. We Did literally we watch, watch it every Halloween except for last year. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Guys, I think I have a brain disease. I have terrible memory. Anyway, so... <laughs> Finally, commented by Linda Landry Pigeon on an article I read, love you, Linda, about Emily's Bridge. She said, my aunt and I visited Emily's Bridge last summer. We took photos, wandered around a bit, read the little info board alongside the bridge, and decided it was very, decided it was very unremarkable. However, when we got back to the car to leave, I turned on the radio, and Frank Sinatra was singing a song called Emily. It totally freaked us out. You know, there's a phenomenon that people have where they'll be thinking of a loved one and like maybe the loved one had a favorite song and it'll come on on the radio like in that instance. I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. So that sounds very That's similar cool. here. So my final thoughts are that while Emily's story has clearly been debunked, I still like to think that the bridge is haunted by some sort of entity. I think one, it's just fun to believe in that folklore, but also, I mean... I could have included so many more personal accounts that people shared about encounters on the bridge. I just think it's, there's too much out there for it to be completely false. Right. And Um, like the (laughs) blowst. Okay. This is like very similar (laughs) to, (laughs) to my story and how, how it ends. But, um, every, like a big 
theme in in what I saw in my research was that like even though it is an urban legend, urban legends are usually based on like a kernel of truth. Yeah. So even if the main story that gets passed down through generations as like a game of telephone, it's still like based on real life encounters. Yeah, for sure. I yeah, I fully believe that is the case here. Um so yeah, I think it's haunted. A lot of these stories were really creepy. I have no desire to go visit this bridge in the middle of the forest in this random town in Vermont. Stowe, I'm sure you're lovely, but I... I've seen pictures of it in the fall time during the day, and it looks beautiful. It really is. I would go look at it, take a picture from afar during the day, and then drive away. Like, goodbye. I wonder if people do photo shoots there. Like, I feel like people do engagement engagement photo shoots not knowing. (laughs) I bet that really pisses Emily off, because, you know, she got... in In this folklore, she got... She got yeeted. Yeah. <laughs> got yeeted, yeeted by love. Um, and even if all this stuff isn't true, it certainly has its place as one of the most iconic and mysterious landmarks in the state of Vermont. And that is the story of the Goldbrook Covered Bridge or Emily's Covered Bridge. Dun, dun, dun. That was good. Yeah, it was fun. I've been wanting to know more about that bridge for a while. Sweet. Well, there you go. Thanks. You're welcome. Okay, so today I will be covering the legend of the Bunny Man and Bunny Man Bridge. So I am going to start with a little background. Um, This is a quote from an article written by this guy who I will talk about later. (laughs) Um, There is a story that a man dressed as a bunny haunts the residential neighborhoods around our nation's capital. Silly as this may sound at first, the Bunny Man has been a fixture of local legend for at least 30 years. By 1973, the so-called Bunny Man had been reported in Maryland and D.C. His infrequent and widespread appearances tended to occur in secluded locations and usually tell of a figure clad in a white bunny suit armed with an axe threatening children or vandalizing property. By the 1980s, the Bunny... The Bunny Man had become an even more sinister figure, with several gruesome murders to his credit. Although he has been reported as far south as Culpeper, Virginia, his main haunt has been the area surrounding a railroad overpass near Fairfax Station, frequented by partygoers, the now infamous Bunny Man Bridge. (laughs) I'm excited about this. So I have heard of the Bunny Man Bridge. I know almost nothing about it. Yeah, so it's located in Clifton, Virginia, which is... Okay, um, I've been to Clifton. Okay, well, yeah, so you know it's in Fairfax. Mm -hmm. Um, And an article was written about... 1999 that was titled the Clifton Bunny the Clifton Bunny Man um, and it's the most widely circulated written version of this legend uh, it was signed by a Timothy C Forbes and what I'm about to read includes most of what people associate with the legend today so I, I I got a few sources talking about this legend and of course because it's an urban legend that's been passed down by for generations it's a game of telephone and so i just kind of cherry picked from each part of nice. the each different version of the legend that i found and put it together and it pretty much sums up what that article said um so after the civil war fairfax county virginia became more populated and eventually an insane asylum was built there No one wanted to live near the asylum, and because of the public outrage, the institution was then shut down. In 1904, the administration transferred the patients to Lorton Prison, which 
Do you remember? Is that where we did the drive-through? Yes. Oh my so gosh. So a couple of years ago, Greer and I did a drive-through haunted thing because we couldn't do our normal walkthrough because of COVID for Halloween. And, COVID, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was at Lorton Prison. That's crazy. So the patients were transferred to Lorton Prison, but during the transfer, the bus crashed and some of them escaped and <gasps> hid in the surrounding woods and forestry. Oh my god, very seen. Halloween. That's what I <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, most of them were found, except for two, Marcus Walster and Douglas Griffin. After several weeks of searching, the local authorities found a trail made by the two men. It was littered with half-eaten, mutilated bunnies, some of which were hanging from the trees. Oh, my god! The trail led deep into the woods to a tunnel crossing a wide creek. There they found both the remains of Marcus and several bunnies gutted and hanging from the tunnel entrance. The police eventually tracked Douglas down, but ultimately lost him again in the ensuing struggle. He ran across the nearby train tracks as the train was coming and was hit and killed. They say his maniacal laughter echoed as the train hit him. And it turns out the reason he was institutionalized was for killing his family on, you guessed it, Easter Sunday. (laughs) My dumbass was like, Christmas. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Several years later, on Halloween night, yes. a group of several teens <laughs> <laughs> were, were hanging around the bridge. Right around midnight, they allegedly saw some sort of bright light or orb, and then in a flash, they all had been strung up, gutted and hanging from the bridge, just like... The teenagers? Mar- yes, the, t- the several teens. <laughs> they were hanging from the bridge, just like Marcus and those bunnies. According to the legend, if you walk all the way down to the tunnel at midnight on Halloween, the ghost of the bunny man will appear and chase you with a hatchet, trying to add another tally to his list of victims. This is why teens should not congregate. Just don't be a teen. Just don't (laughs) congregate and don't be a teen. (laughs) Yes. But also don't go into the woods alone. Don't go to the bridges. Just don't be, just don't make stupid decisions. Teens love to hang out at places that are frightening. Yeah. They do because that, then they can hide from the cops. Yeah, they can drink they secluded areas. <laughs> so obviously, most of that, actually, all of it is false. <laughs> <laughs> For starters, um, there was never an insane asylum in Clifton or Fair, <laughs> Greater Fairfax area, um, and Col- the Colchester Overpass, which is where Bunny. Bunnyman Bridge is wasn't built until 1906, which is two years after this legend supposedly takes place. Um, there's no record of either Douglas Griffin or Marcus Walster, like any record. Wow, of those them. are specific names, though. Yeah, like, I know. I, mean, like, <laughs> I don't know how to describe what I'm saying. And Lorton Prison didn't exist until 1910. Oh, so <laughs> whoever made this legend up did not do their research no. and uh, got all the times mixed up. And also, I'm pretty sure like buses weren't even a thing in early 19 like 1904. Probably not. I'm trying to think of Downton Abbey. They like it. literally they rode have? buggies. They, had, like, a car. they rode buggies, like an open buggy. Yeah, car. like buses. <laughs> nah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as we discussed before, urban legends are often based on truth. And Fairfax historian and archivist Brian Conley, who wrote that article that I read the excerpt from in the beginning, he took it upon himself to investigate the legend of the Bunny Man. And he went through any and all relevant records for eight years to try oh and find God. anything solid. This man was really passionate about figuring this shit out. Eight, eight years? years? I mean, I mean, I guess it's his job. He's an archivist. So, like, what else is he going to do? Yeah, I guess he's also <laughs> probably doing other things, too. Maybe. For his job? Maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> is he even real? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> 
Um, but after those eight years, he finally came across a research paper that had been written in 1973 by Patricia Johnson. Um, she had interviewed 33 other students about what they knew about the legend and was ultimately given 54 different versions of the story. Wow. Uh, most of which mentioned attacks on cars, the rabbit suit, and a hatchet or axe. Um, and from her, from her paper, Brian Conley was able to piece together a timeline, um, starting with two real-life events that occurred in 1970 that he pulled from two Washington Post articles. And the first one was called Man and Buddy's Bunny Suits Sought in Fairfax. Fairfax County Police said yesterday they are looking for a man who likes to wear quote, white bunny rabbit costume and throw hatchets through car windows. What the fuck? Honest. (laughs) (laughs) So this happened on October 19th, 1970. A U.S. Air Force cadet, Robert Bennett, was coming from a family member's home with his fiance. He had parked near the bridge where they were having some alone time when a man dressed in a white suit with long bunny ears ran from the nearby bushes and shouted, you're on private property and I have your tag number. The rabbit then threw a wooden-handled hatchet through the right front car window. And as soon as he threw it, he skipped off into the night. <gasps> what on <laughs> earth? Nobody was hurt, thank God, but the police were able to retrieve the axe from the couple's car. I'm picturing the bunny suit from A Christmas Story. Yeah, me too, but like wears. covered in blood. Yeah, because that thing's kind of creepy looking too. Um, And then, like 10 days later, on October 29th, 1970, um, a Washington Post article was published on Halloween titled The Rabbit Reappears. Oh, my God. And there's an excerpt from it. A man wearing a furry rabbit suit with two long ears appeared again on Guinea Road in Fairfax County Thursday night, police reported, this time wielding an axe and chopping away at a roof support on a new house. Less than two weeks ago, a man wearing what was described as a rabbit suit accused two persons in a parked car of trespassing and heaved a hatchet through a closed window of the car at 5400 Guinea Road. They were not hurt. Thursday night's rabbit, wearing a suit described as gray, black, and white, was spotted a block away at 5307 Guinea Road. Paul Phillips, a private security guard for a construction company, said he saw the rabbit standing on the front porch of a new but unoccupied house. I started talking to him, Phillips said, and that's when he started chopping. All you people trespass around here, Phillips said the rabbit told him as he whacked eight gashes in the pole. If you don't get out of here, I'm going to bust you on the head. (laughs) (laughs) Phillips said he walked back to his car to get his handgun, but the rabbit carrying the long-handled axe ran off into the woods. (laughs) I love that everything is just referring to it as the rabbit and not like the man. I know. (laughs) The security guard said the man was about five foot eight, 160 pounds, and appeared to be in his early 20s. So maybe his face was showing, because, like, how would you be able to tell that otherwise? Yeah, I bet it was an open-faced costume. Yeah. So after reading these two reports, Connolly, Conley theorized that there was a young man seeing his rural farming community becoming industrialized too quickly, and he wanted to scare away the builders to delay or stop any further development. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That was his master plan. Yeah, because I guess after that second occurrence, somebody ended up calling the police and identifying themselves as the rabbit and was basically like, stop dumping your construction stuff on my property. Oh, wow. Yeah. Form a commission. Like, <laughs> a committee. Do stop something. going at people with, hat- <laughs> with hatchets. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but after these two incidents were reported in the news, phone calls started pouring into the police department of bunny man sightings near the bridge. And then a media frenzy ensued 
And thus, the legend of the bunny man was born. I always wonder how, when things like this happen, how do police departments discern what is real and what is total bullshit? You know? Like... Like when they get, if they're getting a flood of reports about something, oh, you know, I'm oh. just, I've just always been so curious. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, some of them are real. And if it's, sure if it's something are, super serious, they have to I guess, investigate everything, everything which That's is exhausting. Wild, but yeah. yeah. Um, and then also part of what Conley was investigating was whether or not the bunny man was in fact a murderer. So he turned to the Fairfax County Public Library to research murders that had occurred between about a 100-year range between 1872 and 1973, but focused on murders of multiple people um, and or children, because that seemed to be the bunny man's M.O., according to the legend. (laughs) Um, And he was able to narrow it down to three murders in Fairfax in that time frame. Um, But I don't really know why he included these in his research, because at the end of like describing all of the murders, which I'm not getting into because they ended up not being relevant at all. Like he was like, "Eh, yeah, uh, they're not really relevant to the bunny man. And also none of them seem to happen like they were all in Fairfax, but Fairfax is huge. Like it wasn't none of them really happened near the bridge, near or at the bridge. Mm -hmm. Like there was one that was in the woods, but like it didn't specify if, if it was near the bridge. Okay. So that was kind of lame. Mm-hmm. But I was able to find, I don't know if this these are the most recent murders, but to, um, in 2018, two oh, young men crazy. were found dead within a month of each other, within 900 feet of the bridge. Whoa. Both within 900 yes. feet? Yes. Whoa. Um, so this, is for, and this was published in the Fairfax County Times. Uh-huh. On April 18th, Fairfax County Police Department, Police Department, Fairfax County Police Department detectives identified the body of homicide victim Michael Cooker, age 30, of Herndon. Cooker's body was discovered in the 6500 block of Colchester Road near the Bunny Man Bridge. That was actually said in the article. Wow. And then James McDonald of Chantilly was discovered a little over a month later on May 21st, 2018 in the 6100 block of Union Village Drive. And get this, both men were found with trauma to their upper body, most likely inflicted by an axe. What the hell? Yeah. Oh, that's so creepy. So, yeah. Yeah, and that was 2018. It wasn't long ago. That is just, yeah, four years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it doesn't necessarily mean it's the Bunny Man Bridge, but there's a psycho, and maybe he was inspired by it. That's kind of what I was thinking, too. Yeah. And what would this podcast be without detailing some haunted encounters? I <gasps> love an encounter. So there's an excerpt from the Washington from a Washington Post article titled Boo! It's <laughs> the Bunny Man by Don Oldenburg, published on Halloween 2003. Angie Prophet says she'll never forget her first visit. She was 14 and it was the 70s. Her boyfriend wanted to scare her and the dark tunnel under a railroad br- bridge at a dead-end road was the ideal place. Parked near the bridge, Prophet recalls she noticed two children at the tunnel opening. She watched them, and suddenly, poof, they disappeared, she says. I'm saying, oh my god, and seconds later, the children were at the back window of the car looking right at me, she (gasps) says. I was hysterical. Prophet heard of Bunny Man Bridge years later and realized that was it. She returned six times. The bridge is haunted, I do know that, says Prophet, who lives in Strasburg, Virginia, and often visits houses and places said to be haunted. Those children were victims. They died there. That makes me sad, but that's really fucking creepy. I know. It's really creepy. Little kid ghosts are the worst. 
because yeah. you know that their life was tragic and they're they're just like little small and can like pop up places. Yeah. Also, I forgot to mention this, but um, when I was going over the deaths near Bunny Man Bridge, but in the the Forbes article, the one that I mentioned that had been published in ninety nine, that mm-hmm. was like basically the genesis of this. Yeah. This um, legend. It features thirty two victims. Which contrasts with what Conley found from the 1980s, which generally involved only one to three victims, usually children. So, like, there's there's stories of people dying near this bridge yeah. since at least the 70s. Wow. Yeah. And all of them, well, you might not even know, but they're all like supposed murders, not like people like jumping from the bridges. It's not bridge. that high. It's not that high. Oh. No. Um, yeah, it's like okay. a tunnel, so it's not that high. Okay. I, I don't think. I've never been there, so I don't really know. But from go. the pictures, yeah, from, well. We should look at it from afar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, back to the hauntings. I, too, went to Reddit. Reddit And I, <laughs> please, I found a post from 12 years ago, so 2010. The name alone is creepy. As soon as you hear it, you get an idea of what's in store for you, but that's hardly enough to prepare you for the legend, legend itself. I can't tell you whether the original tale is true or not, but I can be certain of what happened to me at Bunny Man Bridge. It was just a few months ago that my friend Layla and I decided to visit the bridge. She'd been before and was eager to show me. It was a little past midnight when we left and I was driving. The trip there is creepy enough in its own right. The winding narrow roads are flanked by thick forests with breaks in the wall of trees only every half mile or so for the wide-spaced, expensive country homes. There are no street lamps. Without my brights, I could barely see where the next bend was. Layla was getting a little, uh, a little nervous, but I was more excited than anything. The sight of a legendary campfire story. <laughs> I was thrilled by the prospect. It took us a while to find it. The roads are complicated and unfamiliar to us, and we had only the vague directions of Layla's friend. Admittedly, we were fucking lost. I hate being lost, so the realization made me anxious, but my friend shrugged it off. I remember she said, everyone gets lost back here, but eventually everyone just winds up at Bunny Man. We'll get there. And we did. Layla started to recognize the road somehow. All the roads back there looked the same to me. She said the bridge was right up ahead. We'd reach it in a few minutes. At this point, my excitement hadn't waned, but as Layla went to roll down her window to smoke a cig, I suddenly got uncomfortable. The bridge came into view. In the middle of the night, in the middle of winter, that bridge is the scariest thing I've ever seen. It looks out of place. From a dead-on angle, with the leafless trees and dead vines obscuring all but the tunnel, it's intensely foreboding. From one side of the bridge, it's impossible to see through the other, see through to the other. I drove straight under without hesitating, going a little fast, which apparently caught Layla off guard. Wait, she shrieked. I stopped the car at once, right in the middle of the tunnel. Layla had wanted to roll her window up before we went through. Now we were acutely aware of where we were and how that window was rolled all the way down. Layla panicked as she tried to roll it up hastily and dropped her cigarette on the floor. Her window was left open as she dove to search for it in the dark. That was when I felt the car move. It moved. Not just a little, almost a foot. Oh my god. It felt like a push. Layla stopped cursing and we froze. We listened. Then we heard it. A low, dark grunt and long exhalation. I can't accurately describe it. It sounded human, but off. The realization hit us right then. Layla's frantic whisper, the window, 
reached me the second I reached for the control. The window went halfway up, but it chose that moment to do that annoying thing it sometimes does. It stopped, clicked, and then went all the way back down. Oh, my God. Layla, who wasn't aware the window ever did this, and therefore surely more terrified by it than I was, and I was pretty freaked, flipped. Drive, 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 go! I started the car in a heartbeat and floored it. On the other side, I reversed into a clearing and turned around. We sped back to the bridge and saw nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I was looking, but as we drove under it, it felt like I hit something. My car went up as though there were a speed bump, and we heard a dull thud at the back windshield as we cleared the passage. The window was jammed now. The cigarette was stomped out beneath Layla's feet, and our hearts were pounding. We got lost on the way back, too. In some ways, that was almost as bad as being under that bridge. P.S. I might be going back with my friend Emery and her fiancé Jericho tonight. I'll take pictures if I do. Oh, my gosh. Ooh, that's so spooky. Oh, the idea of having your window rolled down. I know. It's like click and then it goes. It's like oh so God. slow. I know. It's like that straight out of a like, horror. I was just about to say. Blows. Yeah. Straight out of a horror movie. Yep. So those were, oh, so those were like the two main haunted, um, like encounters I could find that were recent. <laughs> I found this other Reddit, um, posting that detailed this guy's encounter at bunny man but it was definitely like like we we're big believers here in pretty much everything but even i was like come on man (laughs) he basically said like that his friend started telling him about bunny man then they agreed to go up there on halloween and this guy was like i'm I didn't believe anything was going to happen. I'm a skeptic, blah, blah, blah. And then they show up. And then the bunny man, of course, comes out. And then, like, he has a hatchet. Of course. And he's covered in blood. Uh And then the guy's like, I went into my car and grabbed my gun. I had a permit. (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. I had a permit. And then he shoots the bunny man. (laughs) And then, like, as the bunny man is dying, he's like, oh. So there was the bunny man. And then, then he started talking about how um, when he, like, was fighting the bunny man, the bunny man was trying to get this bunny to, like, throw it into the the hole of the tunnel. And then he saw these, like, long fingers, like, at one side of the tunnel and then the other side of the tunnel. And then the bunny was thrown in, like, right when he shot the bunny man. And then, like, he could hear a crunch or whatever. And then, like, as the bunny man was dying, he was like, your problem now. And then he dies. And then when... The guy gets home. He's like, I realized it's my problem now. And he's like, guess I better go buy a bunny suit and a hatchet. And he's oh like, I had to replace the bunny man to feed whatever demon lives in the tunnel. And I was oh like, my God. are you serious? This is like fucking Davy Jones. Retired no, and that's also not what the legend is. <laughs> Come on. This guy should write books, though. Like, that's a compelling story. A fiction <laughs> story. Yeah. So that was, uh, I was like, I was like, ooh, this looks good. Cause it was long and like, this is my experience. And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) I was so disappointed. All right. So the, yeah, those, those were the haunted stories. Um, but fair, uh, so bunny, the bunny man has, um, been pretty prominent in media and the pop culture, like ever since that, um, article came out and like it went viral and everybody was passing around the, uh, the legend. So in, in 2001, about two years after that Forbes article was published, um, Donnie Darko hit theaters. I don't know if you've seen Donnie Darko. I've mm-hmm. never seen it, but it, Donnie is played by Jake Gyllenhaal and his world is turned upside down when a giant man in a bunny suit named Frank that no one else can see tells him that the world is going to end in 28 days. The terrifying visage of Frank helped propel the movie into cult status. 
and there are some people that think Frank was inspired by the bunny man as the movie takes place in the, well, um, the, it says the fictional town of Middlesex, Virginia, but Middlesex, Virginia exists. Oh, it's it in, does? Yeah, it's in Southern Virginia. Oh. Yeah. Um, and then in 2001, Fox's TV show, Scariest Places on Earth, had an episode, season two, episode 19, about urban legends, and one, and they featured the Bunny Man Bridge, um, and that probably brought in the tourists, making the little town of Clifton a popular place to visit. Paranormal investigators have traveled to the bridge and seen a possible and seen possible shadow people and recorded EVPs, but none have reported seeing the Bunny Man in the flesh. <laughs> um, and then, of course, there's the Bunny Man film franchise. What? There is um, the Bunny Man came out in 2011. And then there was a sequel, Bunny Man 2, that came out in 2014. And then there was a third one, Bunny Man Vengeance, that was released <laughs> in October 2017. Oh, my God. And I will never watch these because they look terrible. And all the characters only have first names. So that's, like, how you know it's, like, low budget. I don't know why, but I feel like higher budget movies have characters that have two names. Yeah, because they're <laughs> complex. I just, I was going to Google just now on my laptop Bunny Man movie to see the like poster but the first result that came up was bunny man brewing so oh i I was gonna talk about that (laughs) yeah so the town of clifton has like fully embraced this urban legend um (laughs) the movie poster yeah no it's crazy (laughs) um and bunny man brewing is a brewery in fairfax that was named after the urban urban legend the owners sam gray and eric bennett decided on the name based on stories they had heard growing up and actually my coworker, the one that sent us in our first listener story Mm -hmm. had one of his going aways there but i couldn't go gosh i feel like we need to do a little bunny man pilgrimage and like drive past the bridge and then go to the brewery well that brings me to my next bullet (gasps) there is a clifton haunted trail Oh, um, it sounds similar to the haunted walkthrough, like Markoff's, mm-hmm. um, and it's been closed since COVID. But get this, it's finally opening back up this October. <gasps> we have to go one of my two free weekends, <laughs> and then interest always peaks around Halloween um, because you know in the legend, if you go on Halloween. That's how you summon the Bunny Man. Um, and starting in 2003, local authorities began controlling access to the area during that time. And during Halloween 2011, over 200 people, some from as far away as the Pennsylvania-Maryland state line, were turned away during a 14-hour traffic checkpoint <gasps> into the area. Oh, my God. <laughs> so people are crazy about this Bunny Man. That's wild. Not worth. No. 14 hours? <laughs> no. I know. Oh, my God. Uh, yep. So my final thoughts are that while the legend of the bunny man is most definitely a hoax used to scare school children for generations, nobody can deny that the bridge at its epicenter has been the setting for what has sounded like several gruesome deaths and odd occurrences. And in my humble opinion, it's the perfect breeding ground for lost souls to make themselves known. Ooh. So very similar to your bridge. Yeah. Our stories were very like parallel. Blast. Blast. That was so freaky yeah wait i've never seen a picture of it oh i have it i have it up here you go that's what it looks like so that's it at night which like that's very way creepier than i thought it was we will put this in instagram obviously but i like this picture it looks it's like very small and Mm -hmm. compact 
Um, See, like, if you jumped off from that part, yeah, I think just, maybe you'd break your leg, but I don't think you would die. Unless you jumped, like, head right first. on your head. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of looks like the uh, those, like, Tesla tunnels that Elon Musk is building that are complete fire hazards. Like, they're, it's very claustrophobic looking. Yeah. That's really freaky. So that's the bridge. <gasps> Urban legends. Campfire stories. But that actually brings me to our listener story this week because it aligns with our haunted infrastructure theme. <laughs> and I really shouldn't call him a listener because he hasn't actually listened to this, but he's aware of the podcast. He supports. He supports, I guess, in giving us content. By giving, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's valuable. Yeah. Um, so this is from my coworker, Lucas, and he had a personal encounter at Sensabaugh Tunnel, which is a haunted tunnel in Kingsport, Tennessee. That came up on when I was before I looked up this Goldbrook, which you recommended mm-hmm. I look up. That one came up on like every list that I googled. Yeah, I don't know anything about it? Yeah, so it was built in the 1920s, and it was named for the man who owned the land, Edward Sensabaugh. And the legend goes that Sensabaugh lived near the tunnel with his family, and it is said that he killed his entire family and threw their bodies into the creek within the tunnel. Mm. And if you ever enter or if you enter the tunnel and turn off your car engine, it supposedly will not restart. And if you look into your rearview mirror, you will see Mr. Sensabaugh approaching your car. And then as he approaches, your engine will start again. So that's one version of the legend. And then when Lucas was telling me about this, he talked more about how people have claimed to have seen a woman carrying her baby screaming and trying to get into their car. Wow. Which makes sense if, if that's like a ghost of one of his family yeah. members that he had killed. So yeah. people either say they see Mr. Sensabaugh or they see the ghost of this woman carrying her baby. I wonder how many people go around and like fully turn their car off to test it. People are crazy. I would absolutely not. And Lucas is one of these crazy people. <laughs> he, this also happened when he was in high school. So <laughs> you're pretty crazy teens. in high school. Yeah. A group of teens got into Lucas's car and they drove through the tunnel And he said this was at 11 or 11 p.m. or midnight when he was doing this. So it was pitch dark outside. Yeah. And he said when they drove through, he dead ass saw a woman standing in the in the in the street. Oh, my God. And there was um, there was a like a little house up way like a little up ways from the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And this woman came up to their car and started banging on the windows. Oh, my God. Saying that they took her baby. Did he, like, was she, like, what did she look like? Did he say? He said that he looked like a backwoods, like, Tennessee hillbilly. And. Was she, like, like, see-through? Or, like, did it. No. The way he described it it made it sound like she was, like, a full apparition, like, looked solid. Whoa. That's horrifying. He opened his window (gasps) for this woman. Oh my god, he's crazy! I I told I was like, oh, why would you ever do that? And he was like, yeah, people in high school told me I was the soulless one because he would do just crazy shit. And like he this. knew about the legend. Yeah, that's why they went. <gasps> oh my god! And he he opens his window, and this woman keeps banging in their car, saying that they took her baby. And he was like, well, did you call the police? <laughs> did you call nine one one? Trying to be pragmatic with this ghost lady. <laughs> and then like she just went off, and like I think she had went up to the house. And, like, was screaming about people taking her baby. And then I guess all his friends were like, go, go, go. And they left. Oh, my God. Was he a believer before this? Did he say? 
Well, when he was telling me, he was like, I don't know, it could have been her. Like, it could have been. So he's think he's open to it. Wow. I think he is. How could you have that experience and yeah. not be? That is so I think he. I think he is a believer, or at least he's open to it. Mm-hmm. But he's like, eh, whatever. <laughs> he's like, that's how he feels about it. Oh, my God. Damn, that's a like, good story. No, I'd be traumatized. I would never go back. I know. I would never. Here, let me show you a picture of that one. Oh, yeah. With this Sensaba? Sensaba tunnel. Look, look at this shit. It has so oh much graffiti on it, and look how dark it is in there. And that look, that one looks way taller yeah, than the Bunny Man Bridge. Absolutely not. <laughs> Person wearing a ghost outfit. <laughs> and that's yeah. the creek that runs through it. Yeah, no, thank you. No, yeah. Thank you. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. I don't, nope. I don't prefer tunnels. It literally looks like this picture specifically looks like it's like just a hole in a mountain. Yeah. It looks like a black hole, a portal. <laughs> yes. A portal, a portal if you will. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's the, our listener story this yeah. week. And that brings us to our next segment. Paranormal protection tip of the week. So this week, we are encouraging you to not pick up strange objects from the ground. If you see any unusual item on the ground, be it an item of clothing, a clay figurine, or a ring, don't pick it up. People with malintent have been known to curse items by putting an evil spirit in them, then leaving them out on the streets so the spirits follow unsuspecting victims who bring them home. Archaeological sites in particular are places where cursed objects are often found. Of course... If you see something that looks really valuable, you don't have to ignore it. You can always take it immediately to be appraised. Just don't be alone with the found object overnight. This would have been a good tip to include in our haunted objects episode. Oh, it would have been. Because that's exactly what they did. Yeah, they, they picked, picked shit up. Picked a sh- they picked a shit up. Picked that shit up. Picked that shit up. And they were sorry for it. Yeah. So, so just leave things as they were. <laughs> oh, but it's so hard not to take things like you know, um, straight It's furniture. very easy to not take the crone of the Catskills. When something well, has yeah. nails in its eyes <laughs> and a noose around its arc, I'm not touching that shit. Uh, yeah, but I'm always going to take like street furniture, you know? That's that's very true. That is very true. We did Unless a lot of that. Unless it's sitting outside of like a haunted looking house, then I will not be taking the street furniture. <laughs> or our old neighbor. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We had an old neighbor that had a really dilapidated looking house and he would put random shit on his uh, yard, including mannequin heads. Oh, yeah. And old mattresses. And just one time he was fully grilling a pizza box. Do you remember that? Uh, vaguely. It was during one of his yard sales. He was fully just grilling an entire box of pizza. Yeah. And he would mow his backyard naked, <laughs> <laughs> which we never saw, thank God. But yeah. um, but we have for um second-hand accounts yeah second-hand yeah. accounts yes yeah <laughs> okay so thanks for listening um this wraps up episode five and um, we are on instagram at dfwg podcast and if you have your own spiritual encounters that you want to share you can email them to our gmail at dfwg podcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Yes, please. Yes. Um, and I think with that, we're going to say goodbye for today. So make sure to always leave things as you found them. Oh, and stay away from Ouija boards. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>